0: Welcome. This is the dating counselor podcast, the show that takes you out of the dating game and into a successful relationship. I'm Lonnie Harmon and I'm a licensed therapist and I am the dating counselor. Thanks for listening. Relationship Screening Method is a course that I have created for singles so that you are able to discern if someone is a good fit for you or not based on the fact that they will have characteristics that will give them long-term potential or short-term potential. I feel like this course is essential for every single person to take because it will really help you to avoid dating someone that could turn out to be a total waste of time. How many times have we thought, is this going to go somewhere or is this a waste of my time? You can find information about my course at thedatingcounselor.com courses. Again, it's called the Relationship Screening Method, and you can find more information about it at thedatingcounselor.com courses. I promise you it's so worth your time. And let's be real, it's virtual and it comes with yours truly you can have some group coaching, and I will help you to figure out if this person is a good fit for you or not. I had no choice but to hear you. You stated your case time and again. I thought about it treat me like I'm a princess. I'm not
1: used to like that. You ask how my day was. You've already won me over. if I love you for all that you are I couldn't
0: help it it's all your fault oh that's such the best intro <laughs> <It's> ever
1: <true.
0: laughs> oh you guys that is the 90s throwback if you don't know the cover then you are younger than me <laughs> uh-huh. it's Alanis uh-huh. Marissa and that's the head over feet So today I am so happy to welcome you to the Dating Counselor Podcast. I'm your host, Lonnie, as you know, and I am very happy to introduce to you, Sam and Steph. Hello. Hello. We are going to talk about their real-life love story that happened before my very eyes. (laughs) (laughs) And they're going to share with you some real-life wisdom about being single and then now being married. Mm -hmm. So... Why don't you go ahead and just start with some introduction.
1: I'm Stephanie. I grew up in Utah. Um, I'm a working professional in Salt Lake. And I, I've been um, pretty obsessed with dating for a long time. <laughs> and so much so that um, me and a few friends, we started a dating podcast a while back. And um, so I, I got to meet Sam in the midst of that, which was a lot of fun. <laughs> but um, you know, and and that's also how I how I met Lonnie. And I'm excited to talk about my journey a little bit <laughs> and how I got to where I am. So
2: yes, and on my end, um, I'm born and raised in Salt Lake City, Utah. For those of you outside the state, I would just add that I'm the second oldest. I always kind of saw myself as you know the alpha among my siblings <laughs> and my brother got married before I did and it was it was very hard for me to come to terms with the fact that even though I'm younger <laughs> right even though I'm younger you know dating has been very much a part of my life and I've always aware of my attraction to women at a very young age <laughs> after a number of... Challenging relationships, I really kind of gave it a rest for a couple of years, and you know, getting to know Stephanie was uh, a wonderful reintroduction into it. Um, at least seriously dating someone.
0: Thanks so much. So yeah, let's get into that. Let's talk about your dating background, Stephanie. Maybe you could help us with why was dating a high priority to you? Mm-hmm. Why was it a big focus?
1: Growing up, I women that I was surrounded by were wives and mothers, and um, they were the ones that you know were my my educators, my role models, um, my you know my family, my caretakers, and I noticed that those wives and mothers would tend to pity those that didn't fit those categories. Um, they tend to pity those that didn't have a husband, those that didn't have children and um, were always really thrilled and excited when, you know, that changed for them, right? And so I learned from a very early age that, you know, there was something lacking in not being a wife and not being a mother. And I always assumed that my path would be very streamlined. You know, I'd go to college, find, Some handsome man and uh, marry him in the temple and we would just run away into the sunset and that's about as far as I thought into the future and um, I didn't think about you know I didn't really care too much about a career I didn't think too much about what I was going to do for myself because I was really excited and really anxious to be a wife and mother as per tradition so Um, you know, it took me, um, it took me a long time to, to find that person. And as the years drew on and as the relationships kind of kept falling to the wayside, I became more and more frustrated and more and more desperate to, you know, find my way to that path. And I realized that, you know, there was a lot of things that. My, like my life was taking me in really beautiful directions. Like, I had found a great career, I had finished my education, I was really coming into my own, making incredible relationships with friends, um, strengthening my relationships with my family, you know, traveling, I was like living a great life. And because I was so obsessed with my lack of husband, my lack of children, that I couldn't enjoy it. I really couldn't enjoy what beautiful things were happening in my life. And um, so it took me a while to kind of wake up to that and realize that. But that's really where, yeah, that's really where I met Sam.
0: So what do you feel like um, needed to shift?
1: For me, um, it was you know, it was me allowing myself the space to be single. Um, And it was me adopting a sense of ownership over where I was, um, and being content with where I was. And that actually opened up my ability to approach relationships more open hearted than I had in the past. Um, In the past relationships, I had been very anxious about those relationships. I really wanted them to work out. I worked really hard to make them work out, but because I had like, you know, I was so anxious about it, you know, they tended to dissolve. And, you know, we can talk about that in more depth, but that was the biggest shift is I just kind of needed to let myself be me. And (laughs) I know it sounds cliche, but like date myself and love myself um, before I could help anyone else do that for me.
0: I appreciate you saying that and being willing to be vulnerable with that because I think that's where a lot of us need to go in life in general before we meet a partner. is just like really truly loving and valuing ourselves so that we know what we have to offer. And then looking at a potential relationship just as that a potential relationship, not like mm-hmm. a, oh, someone I could marry. Yeah. Let's get married. Mm-hmm. When do you want to get married? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Why don't you want to marry me? How about now?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Not that I, I don't know if that was like that or not, but just that that's kind of the emotion behind it. I you mean, know? you're
1: not far off. <laughs> you're not.
0: <laughs> Bless your heart. Just <laughs> I was like that too. I think I've shared this before, but I, I thought if I don't get married by the time I'm 23, well, then what is my purpose in life? Exactly. It was very much a uh, part of my identity. And I think you hit a word that was Important and that's pity. There was no one ever telling me I had to get married. There was mm-hmm. no like, you should get married by this time or da da da. It was more just they pitied people that weren't, mm-hmm. and I didn't want to be pitied. And then I was for a really long time, which is fine. <laughs> 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 I got used to it and was like, no, I pity you. <laughs> that's I right. pity the fools. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, Sam, tell, tell us about your dating.
2: um I did mention um, a little bit of of. Being very young and um, very much having crushes on my classmates. My first crush was in kindergarten, and we had a play date. It was a monumental occasion. In fifth grade, I had my first girlfriend and basically dated... Okay, okay, let's just... Elementary girlfriend, right? Mm -hmm. I will say, though, I probably spent more money on the gifts for this
1: sweet (laughs) girl
2: in fifth and sixth grade than I did for anyone for years. And so I did feel things very deeply. I was someone who I think, and this is probably much more of a universal human thing, but I, I am an emotional person. I am very much in touch with um, that side of myself. And when I, I would catch a feeling very quickly and it would burn hot and it would, it would burn fast. And all through junior high school and high school, I dated Almost consistently, I wouldn't go more than a few months without, you know, a girlfriend. And then I went on a mission and my mission president had me prepare for marriage the last six months of my mission. It was insane and not super healthy. But I learned some things on my mission that were principles for life that turned out to not really translate outside of, you know, the very controlled environment that is an LDS mission. And so I came home looking to get married. i had spent six months planning. I had committed to this man that I would get married. I started dating and I ended up meeting a woman who uh, did not share my same faith. But, you know, I felt some sense of confidence moving forward in that relationship. After a certain point, we both realized we had different directions in life. For me, it was faith-driven for her. It was just outside of that. So it was a mutual positive separation. But it was really hard. I had really fallen for that person. I had felt inspired, you know, to date this person. And after that, and it not working out, I got really angry at God. Really, really angry. Basically, my faith eroded because of the principles that I had developed and learned you know from a mission experience and tried to put into practice the first year back of acclimating back to normal life and turns out you have a lot less control as a human than you like to think you do and if you put everything on control and it doesn't work out it's pretty shattering after that experience I did spend you know a sabbatical away from my faith Um, I ended up reconnecting with that woman for a short time and the second Go around was very toxic, very destructive. And, you know, I take a lot of responsibility for that. I was not well. I had, you know, mental illness and a lot of instability. And um, we both did not handle it very well. And after that, I went a period, there was a long period of healing and trying to get over it that ended up taking years. But I was into the church, out of the church, or I guess in the LDS church, out of the LDS church, back and forth. And after an experience of going to Missouri for a new job after I graduated from college, and frankly, my life having a self, you know, a a self-caused implosion, I came back to Utah and was like, I need to rebuild who I am because my life is in shambles and it's kind of my fault. And I need to figure out, who I am, what I want, and I have to be consistent in building towards that. And it was about a year and a half later that um, I met Stephanie. I had started dating about six to eight months before we met, but it was casual and it was really simply to meet people. I was not, I did not have any expectation. but, you know, I was looking for someone I was compatible with and frankly felt that if it was going to work out, it would work out. But I wasn't really in a position to date anyone seriously. So I was just enjoying, you know, dating myself and getting to know new people and hopefully not spending too much on a first date. And when COVID hit, actually, the FaceTime dates made it very nice. because so I can have a conversation with a nice person for an hour, hour and a half. I didn't have to spend any money.
1: <laughs> and,
2: uh, it was positive, but I had to spend about a year and a half of rebuilding my life because I had really kind of thrown it up against the wall and it had exploded everywhere. So I came into, you know, dating Stephanie and eventually decided to build a relationship with her because um, I recognized know this was a person i wanted to have in my life and we were compatible and we could you know communicate well and connect well but also i recognized you know you're never fully ready for something but i was in a position to take advantage of the opportunity because i had really spent a long time getting to know myself and trying to build you know positive consistent actions Mm
0: -hmm. so I love that right before you found each other, that you both did some individual soul searching to say, is this what I really want? I think individually saying, like, what is it that I have to offer? Am I demonstrating what I have to offer? Because
1: mm-hmm.
0: that's another part of the puzzle piece that is missed is because we get so focused on the result, we kind of morph into a person that we're not maybe being overly anxious or like making choices that are outside our value system or something, because we're just like, I know that I can have this. I know I'm capable of this. And when you take a step back and you go, wait, is this reflective of who I really am and is this person who I want to be? It just shifts. So I, I so
1: I want to hear how you guys met. Sam and I met online and we met, um, on hinge actually. I think both of us were a little bit tired of online dating in general, but pandemic and
2: swiping ass, sw-
1: it's really easy, you know? And so it, and we had our first date virtually as Sam mentioned, wait, wait,
0: you met and you went on a date. I want to hear like that little window of time, how that actually oh, happened okay. because from swiping to going on a date, it's apparently yeah, this is quite complicated. Yes, and I don't say apparently like it is. It's quite complicated. Well, I had I had early there was an early warning sign, which I will say.
2: This. <laughs> so Stephanie commented on one of my pictures and, and you know complimented my uh, photogenic nature, and I <laughs> I was grateful for that.
1: Honestly, one of the lamest leads I've ever had. Yeah, it I, was really it wasn't great.
2: Turns out, we can talk about this later, but Stephanie revealed after we were engaged that I had a very poor profile. And she kind of threw a rock at it. She was like, ah, you never know. Turns out I'm a lot cooler than my profile. So I was like, well, that makes sense. But um, what I will say is uh, we exchanged a few uh, lighthearted pleasantries. And Stephanie very quickly told me, I'm the type of person that is at a party, sees you know, a lone instrument, and picks it up and plays it unsolicited at the party. And I was very quickly like, I'm glad you told me that. That's not a red flag, but that is something I hate. (laughs) So uh, if we're ever at a party together, we'll figure out how to navigate that then, but at least you were upfront.
1: Honestly, (laughs) I was not on top of my game when sam and i first started interacting but it worked and i think i was trying to approach this as you know open-minded as i possibly could because it was like for the first time i was finally approaching it as whatever happens happens i'm not here to marry this person and i might as well just like be authentic because he had mentioned i had a i had a video of me with my guitar so he commented on it I was like, you got to know up front. I'm not one of those cool guitar players. I'm one of those really obnoxious guitar players.
2: But on the on the note to answer your question, I asked for her phone number within 24 hours and we immediately started talking. And, you know, within a few days had planned a FaceTime date, uh, which was a pretty safe way to to meet um, pandemically. And I think in terms of uh, vetting the process for both of us. I'm going to be honest about that. But um, I had had some experiences where I just decided, you know, I wasn't going to spend a lot of time in the messaging feature of any sort of app and just let me get your number. Let's just talk. And I, I didn't, I don't think I saved Stephanie's number until after our second date,
0: mm.
2: or I should say our second in-person date. So it was, I guess, date 2.1. Um, oh yeah. But I was like, I don't know if this is something. uh, If it's not, I just won't talk to her again. But um, it was probably the no nonsense. This could be a friend. The stakes aren't high.
1: And I think that was my first reaction. I realized that you were the kind of person that I wanted to spend more time with. And after our first two dates, I was like, okay, I don't know if this is going to go anywhere, but Even if we're not gonna be romantically involved, I want this guy as my friend. You know, how do I keep this guy in my life? Because I felt like he added. We had plenty of compatibility, but so I was just trying to think of, okay, even if we can't be romantically involved, how do I I keep him around? So if I'm hearing you correctly,
0: somewhat of a standard procedure was to get off the app. Mm -hmm. Bravo. And the other thing is you both felt like we should screen let's do a virtual date. It was COVID, so it's a little bit more like normal to do that at that time. But I still think people are doing that or they can do that. And then from screening, you went into real life. And is real life considered first date or second date?
2: We could probably say first date and we could just, we should just call it our screening call. I don't know. That that was the audition. The audition. (laughs)
0: Well, honestly, I think that's what dating sometimes is, or at least the first date makes you, I hope people don't treat it like an audition, but When you haven't met each other before, that's sometimes what it feels like. I'm just wondering, from that space, and then you say, like, I saved her number a little bit later, what was that moment where you're like, yeah, I'm going to save her number now?
2: So early on, and this goes back to kind of the audition, the first, you know, uh, time we talked uh, face-to-face through a phone, was (laughs) um, we ended up talking for, like, two and a half, almost three hours, and it was just so natural. Time flew that when we went on our first date, we just planned on going on a little walk, um, a little hike up a, a canyon, and then it just went on. and We were like, "How about we get a you know get a beverage?" and then we're like, "How about we get some food?" and then it just went on and on and on. and So our second date, we went record shopping, and then we were going to go get some food, but then Stephanie was like, "Well, we're downtown. Why don't we go get? I'll treat you to dessert." And it just went on and on and on and by the time we were saying goodbye i caught myself recognizing we were saying goodbye standing by our cars and i was trying to elongate the period of time we were together you know not necessarily saying goodbye asking more questions conversation going around in circles because i didn't want to you know end the date and i kind of sat back and i was like wow i like this woman i kind of want to kiss her but i don't think this is the right time
0: so You liked her, you knew it was romantic, you knew it was enough that you wanted to kiss her. Did Stephanie, did you know it was romantic at this point, or were you just like, because you said before, Whatever happens, I just want to be this guy's friend?
1: Well, I I felt like it was romantic, but like, did
0: he try to hold your hand? Did he like,
1: no, no.
0: So, at this point, so it it could, we're rolling the dice, it could go either way, exactly. Okay, so this is something I just kind of want to interject here a little bit. One of the education pieces that I teach is to let someone know that it's romantic, right? And you, Sam, have identified like, I know that it is and you are right in that window of opportunity. Because I always feel like if you go past the third or fourth date and there's been like no romantic touch, holding hands, attempted kiss something, then it's like, oh my gosh, they're not interested in me. And both people just like, it just goes sour, right? So you're in this like, it's not the right time, but I know I want to.
2: And it did work out well because we ended up going on a date just a few days later. And that was when, you know, the colloquial touch barrier was broken. Oh. We did hold hands.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, when I was walking oh, home, I was holding your hand, girl.
1: No, you weren't. You kissed me before you held my hand. Really? You did.
2: Okay. Well, I'll trust your memory. Hey,
1: um, I we kissed before
0: we held hands? No, actually, cuz it was just all the same night. <laughs> <it> was, <laughs> I kissed Stephanie at the end of our third date,
2: and it was I was a little rusty, but she was a good sport.
1: I was rusty too.
2: I don't think we held hands probably till the DTR we had shortly thereafter, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say it was the sort of thing we were on a crowded street downtown, and so I didn't, I would say I didn't necessarily feel like that was a proper location for me to be confident in kissing you but I felt that there was a good opportunity on a third date and the window hadn't passed I had really opened up to her on that third date and Stephanie had been very accepting of my past and who I was and I felt very close to her and decided that it was the right time to kiss her and she caught on very quickly made it very smooth
0: Meaning, like the ninety ten happened, or yeah.
2: yeah, yeah.
1: Sam's a very tall individual. He's much taller than I am, so it was a long distance to make that ninety.
0: So what'd you do? Like, want to step? Uh,
1: no, no. I I just had to wait for him to get down to my level.
0: It was
2: a little clumsy, let's be honest. Yeah, it's true.
1: Uh, I I mean, there was there wasn't a lot I could do to make that ten percent. Just <laughs> close that 10% it's gap.
0: True. She like
2: jumps. <laughs> you know, at the, we, we definitely connected and we were opening up to each other more. But it was the third date where I felt comfortable to really kind of reveal some of the more nuanced and imperfect sides of myself. And being accepted was, I think, when I felt comfortable. I thought I was a physical touch person. Stephanie very much is a physical touch person. I realized dating her that I was not a physical touch person. <laughs> and I I do have boundaries around physical touch where it's a trust thing for me and I don't breach those bounds unless there's a there's like a mutual understanding of what the touch means and I trust that person.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So it was nerve wracking to do that, to kiss you for the first time.
1: Yeah.
0: But sounds like it went well. Yes, it did. Hallelujah. Uh, I know, thank heavens. <laughs> did you say it went well or did you just both know that it
1: went well? So I texted him after, I think I said something to the effect of, so you just kissed my face.
0: Because uh, yeah. he
1: kissed me, he said goodnight, and like immediately left. And I was like, oh, okay. And yeah. I had to get back into my car and drive away and you know, I texted him when I got home and I was like, yeah, let's I'm, you kissed my face.
2: <laughs> let's acknowledge that. And he was yeah. like,
1: I really liked it. And I'm like, I liked it too. It was very, it was very cute. But after he said that, he said, look, I think this is going in a very positive direction. I see, No, he said, I see potential here and I would just like to sit down with you and level sound some things. So this was right after our third date, We had one kiss at the doorstep, and he was like, let's chat.
0: The DTR came right then.
1: Right then. But,
0: like, not that night.
1: Not that night. A couple days later. It was a couple of days
0: later. Okay, so first of all, he gets points for taking you off the app and into an actual, like, conversation. Mm -hmm. And second points he gets is that he brought up the DTR.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. I love that. I literally love that so
2: much. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, let's be real. I I think I was at a place where, you know, pardon my French here, but there's a lot of bullshit in dating. And I'm sorry for the listeners. Um,
0: They're used to me swearing. Okay. (laughs) Um,
2: And I think that time I'd taken to get to know myself, when I recognized potential, I didn't want to mess around. And I wanted to be intentional. Um, Part of that goes back to kind of a personal spiritual thing on my end of praying for some direction in connecting with people and trying to, you know, my my desire to find a partner. But I, I recognized this has potential. I want to take this seriously. So let's, you know, legitimately connect and see what we both want and where we can see this going.
1: The things that he brought up in the DTR were really were really critical for me. He basically just laid out, this is where I am with my spirituality. This is where I am with my career and education aspirations. This is where I am with my sexuality. And this is where I, you know, he laid out every Everything that he knew we were going to have to address at some point in our relationship. And he basically left it on the table and said, this is me. What do you think? And he opened up the door for me to do the same. And me to level set with him as to where I was with each of those items. And these were, you know, what I was looking for in a relationship. And it was... A very efficient DTR. <laughs> Cause he kind of came in with a a clear understanding of how he wanted to articulate what he was looking for. And it was so refreshing. It was so refreshing. And it's funny, I use that word a lot throughout our relationship to Sam. I kept saying, Sam, this is so refreshing. Like this is so great. And I have never experienced this with any other guy I've ever dated and sometimes he would get annoyed and he would just be like stuff i feel like this is the bare minimum <laughs> I, I feel like i feel like you must have just been dating some, some schmucks because you know this is just what we is needed in order to like move our relationship forward
0: so i feel like i want to do another episode of how you got swagger <laughs> <laughs> That'll be another. That, maybe that'll be our bonus. Marvelous! <laughs> bonus I, I, I'm happy to follow up. Okay, so you have the DTR. Is this the point where you're like, let's be boyfriend girlfriend, or you <laughs> just kind of like lay out like we're gonna? Steph put a Steph put breaks
2: on titles. I was like, so we're boyfriend girlfriend now, and she's like, mm, maybe not quite yet. But and I was like, it
1: was after our fourth date.
2: It's fair. It's fair. No, I think I think it's very fair. I I, I think.
0: I think the intention being out there, though, is really important. Absolutely. Absolutely.
2: I will say I was not offended or hurt at all by the fact that she, she wanted to spend a little bit more time dating before we did have a title. But we did decide to date exclusively at that point, which was great because I needed to get an ex, a commitment of exclusivity in order to cancel another date I had scheduled for the <laughs> following day with another woman on hinge. So it was positive positive. and we can talk about that another time, but I was straightforward with that woman. She was very nice about it. She said, I hope this works out for you. And it did. So if you're out there and you're listening to this, thank you. It did. You're a great sport. Yeah, it was cool. I mean, I definitely, I called one of my favorite people, an aunt of mine when I was driving home and was just so bubbly and happy. And she was like, oh my goodness, you really like this woman. And I was like, yes, I do. So I was, I was ecstatic, but we did hold off for a little while.
1: I think for me, I was just a little shell shocked by how, how much I, I already liked Sam and how easy and transparent and vulnerable and lovely everything had been up until that point. (laughs) Except, oh, the the kissing was a little bit of a learning curve for us.
2: Yeah, yeah, we did make out afterwards, but we needed to get
1: back in shape. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) that was a little uncomfortable, but that's okay, that's okay. Uh, It was just kind of really surprising to me how like easy, this was happening. And so I think that was my initial pullback of like, whoa, 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 (laughs) hold the phone. Before we go on to labels, like I I just kind of need to wrap my head around this, but it wasn't long before I was totally on board and just like, he gets it. He understands how these things should go and he's being intentional about committing to this. Wow, that's really hot. (laughs) That's really, that's really attractive. So, yes, this is like, I
0: like they are using the words hot and attractive because when someone has intention and they show up and, and like feel comfortable being vulnerable with their intention, even though you're not like, hell yeah, I'm right there with you. He's feeling confident enough to just like say, well, this is where I'm at and I feel good about that. What that does is it increases your desire and it increases your attraction. And this typically works best in heterosexual relationships, especially when the man leads out because women are often wondering what it would feel like to be loved or liked by this guy and when he comes out and he's like well i'm ready to i'm ready to show you you're like i kind of think i want him to show me (laughs)
1: Yes. (laughs) yes yes and that was definitely how i felt and and you know from that point on it just it was just so much easier to be comfortable and confident with each other that we have already basically chosen each other at least for the time being as we explored that relationship instead of, I guess, still having that intention personally on either side of us, you know, I think it still could have worked out without the DTR if we were both like moving that intention to a similar place, but because he articulated that and encouraged me to articulate my intention, it made it so much more comfortable (laughs) and a lot easier to just like, relax into the relationship a little bit, you know, be a little bit confident that no, he's, he canceled that date with that other woman. Right. And so I don't have to worry about him off with other people. I can be confident that, you know, when he's, when he's reaching out to me, when he's spending time with me, you know, he's interested in being with me. So I think that was one thing that was really impactful about that Particular decision and it and it helped our relationship just do hockey stick (laughs)
0: upward How did you The stage of being exclusive was important for you rather than like I need to know if we're gonna get married Mm -hmm. Right now before we (laughs) are declared boyfriend girlfriend.
2: Well, I will say it was kind of unique for me because did not feel any sort of Commitment or stress to that and we were very clear on DTR like this is not a commitment to marriage. We just think we are compatible and we'd like to take exclusive dating seriously. On my end, it was not so much I'm going to marry this person, it's more I really like this person. I want to get to know them more and you know what? At present, I think I'd be very happy in a long term relationship with them. Let's build towards that. Let's see what we learn how we grow. And if this is something that has the potential to be long term, then it will naturally progress that way. Because we are taking it seriously. And so I did not feel stressed about knowing that Stephanie was the one. Because, okay, frankly, I don't believe in the one. But also, I just was of the belief, and still am, that if you're two people that generally have compatible personalities, compatible lifestyles, compatible goals and dreams, and you can communicate honestly and clearly and intimately, then you can build something wonderful. And I think it really helped that, you know, I was very attracted to Stephanie. I really enjoyed her for a number of reasons. I did, feel friendship growing there but i didn't want to waste time with build the friendship first sort of stuff and so you know on my end there wasn't the stress there because i figured if this is someone i could build a happy marriage with then it would just come naturally and if not great i will go off and there's another person out there that i'm compatible with so
1: I'm, i'll say this this, and I hope that this will sound a little bit validating to the other ladies that are listening to this podcast, because uh, I know you, I, I understand where you're coming from. This, is, this was not normal for me. Like this sort of, you know, mature and honest response that I was getting from Sam was not the norm in my relationships with other, with other guys. I think that that's something to to keep in mind, Sam went through a lot of personal work to adopt that maturity and to take ownership over what he wanted and to you know recognize what he wanted and you know translated that into his dating and turn that into an intention to date like that that took work on his end that took um responsibility and initiative on his end and I think a lot of the guys I dated hadn't taken those steps. I think that you know some of them had to before they found their person um, some of them haven't yet or maybe they're in the process of I honestly I don't know what my all of my exes are up to but um, but I think I, but I, what I'm saying is is that sooner or later they're gonna have to take ownership there and they're gonna have to make those intentions. And so I would say Sam was unique, at least to me, in that sense.
0: So tell me, you decided to be uh, exclusive and then you decided to be married. So give us that
1: storyline. Sam agreed to go on a week-long camping trip with me and my family, like two months into our relationship. Oh,
2: um, one month. No, okay. It was
1: one month. You strike, right.
2: strike that to the record. <laughs> That's true.
1: Okay, very quickly, I like threw it out there. I'm like, I'm going on vacation with my fam do you want to come and he was like yes and i was like okay um on the way up we it was a 6 hour car drive it was just the two of us and uh we started talking about our future goals and our future goals were not aligning um just in terms of like where we wanted to be what we wanted to be doing and um by the end of that conversation we were both kind of like shaking our heads thinking like, Oh no, wait, you've been in
0: the car for six hours. You're going to spend a week camping with your family. And you're both like, I don't know if this is going to work. I'm thinking out. like,
2: huh, <laughs> this will be a shame. What's, gonna like, what's it going to be like to be on a camping trip with my ex and her family. <laughs> um,
1: and so I, I, I proposed something else. And I said, okay, we have two, we have two paths that we're both excited about that each of us are excited about. And both of them are really good paths for both of us. What if we brainstormed a third path that we could both be excited about within 30 or 40 minutes, we had come up with like a really exciting plan that seemed like it would work. It would help our relationship continue. And, you know, it could just, keep things moving in a positive direction. And that was, I think that was eye-opening for me because I think that's a practice that no matter who I ended up with, I was going to have to do that, like consistently for the rest of our relationship, you know? um, As we morph our lives together, we're gonna have to always identify that third path that we're both excited about.
2: And I hope you felt empowered because Stephanie, I think it's something we both do, but Stephanie especially accommodates to other people in order to maintain peace, in order to make them happy. And in her past relationships, one of the things that had, I think, made them difficult and uh, unsustainable was your accommodation Mm -hmm. to these men and what, what you thought would make them happy, right, and what you thought they wanted. Um, in regards to the third path, honestly, is it fair for me to say I'm the one that had to make the biggest accommodations? Absolutely. I had to shift around what I had intended to do within about 12 months to much more of like a five-year outlook. And that was scary to me, but you know, I trusted you and I trusted what we were building And I made those accommodations, and I hope that that gave you some sense of confidence and trust in me by seeing me not make you fit my life, but rather we were, like you said, solving the problem, Mm -hmm. finding another way.
1: It was like the first time that I had actually advocated for what I needed and advocated for where I was and let Sam know that on some of these things, I can't, I can't budge. I can't compromise. It was really, I think it was, again, it was very attractive. It was really endearing to me. And I think that was the minute where I really, really fell in love with him when he was able to open his eyes and open and, you know, set aside his ego, set aside what he thought he needed in order to be, you know, successful in order for him to be um, who he, he should be he set that aside to be like no I can make these accommodations I can make these changes and it's still going to be a wonderful it's still going to be a wonderful life
0: And so I just want to pause and just say both of you congratulations for the journey that you went on because I feel like knowing yourself so well that moment became I already have thought about this I genuinely know what I want. I'm not just like, you know, like you said, it's like just trying to bullshit you and say what you wanna hear. I'm not trying to overly accommodate you. So that when you do make a compromise, it's actually a genuine compromise. And you recognize that you're asking somebody to sacrifice for you. And it's through sacrifice that we do attach, but you have to bring your own vulnerable self into it for someone to make a sacrifice for you or for you to make a sacrifice for somebody else. Otherwise, you're just being accommodating. Mm -hmm. I think that's a space that a lot of people miss. Yeah.
2: I mean, I was choosing you over some sort of vision for myself. And, you know, I'm grateful I did. I'd make that sacrifice over and over again. Um, But I do. I think it strengthened us. And I think you seeing me choosing you over myself was a first step in probably... Proving to both of us, to myself and to you, that you know I'm invested in the long haul.
0: Mm-hmm. It was it was really so. Wait a minute, you're one month in <laughs> at this point, right? Yes. Okay, so then I don't. I literally don't even know all the timeline of like when did you get engaged? October, but we basically wait, wait, wait. Sorry, I should... how did the the lake go?
2: It was great. <laughs> okay, well, <good. laughs> okay. So we we had talked about this third path, and we were basically like, okay. We, we feel comfortable. We, we want to build this towards marriage. We see this going this direction. We, we, we're committed to each other. We want to build this towards marriage, but Stephanie had a lot of anxieties around wedding planning and being the recipient of that sort of, uh, you know, gift and celebration. And I had a lot of things I had to figure out. So We didn't put a timeline on it. We just knew that this is where we see ourselves going. This is what we want to build towards, but it is unclear and we don't feel the need to chart everything out according to a specific timeline because things are going to change. And honestly, things did fluctuate. I'm grateful we didn't commit to things right away, Mm -hmm. Um, but by trusting each other, I think going with the flow a little bit, we we found a timeline that fit and worked for both of us.
1: We met at the end of May. We got exclusive beginning of June, and we had our uh, camping trip and you know decision towards marriage um, in July, mid July, and we didn't get engaged until October. So we got engaged in October. And um, we got married in January. So very short timeline, but I think, to Sam's point, it was the intention on both of our sides. It was the commitment on both of our sides to, you know, have these hard conversations and have them early. You know, we were talking about things that I never breached with any of my past relationships like super early on and it's not like we had to go super in depth in any of those conversations at that point but it was as if everything was on the table and because we had set that expectation and that standard for our communication that early on it paved the way for us to you know move forward knowing that like okay you know we can talk about sex and we can talk about our past relationships and we can talk about you know our you know relationships with our in laws you know and and we, you know we can't have these hard conversations right now, and these aren't just one and done conversations; they're ongoing. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, to Sam's point, I'll address this really quickly. I I was really not excited about the engagement phase. I was convinced that engagement was you know, just this horrible limbo phase that um, really was just for planning a wedding and it was gonna be hard to keep our hands off each other and it was gonna be hard to, you know, deal with each other's families and to, you know, work out all the logistics of the marriage and so why would I want to like prolong that phase of our relationship and and I tried convincing Sam to elope. Ooh. we. Eloping was a big
2: we talked about it? It. I think we both wanted it, but my mother would have killed me. My mom wanted to do a wedding
1: well, and and I think it, I think more than that, it was it was something that I think both of us needed. We, you know, we made the decision to move forward with the wedding. Um, and it wasn't just to accommodate to our parents. Um, I think we both realized that we wanted some space to celebrate. With our families and our friends. We wanted them to be there. Why did you learn that? I'm so eager to know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so it was it was hard for me to transition into that. I I, you know, I talked to you, Lonnie, and we discussed a little bit about the purpose of engagement. And, you know, it actually was I I was really hesitant to get engaged. When we got engaged, and Sam actually put the ring on my finger. Again, so
2: smooth, I just want to say.
1: Oh my gosh, <laughs> to I totally break. want to hear the story. The <laughs> um, <laughs> dude's uh, got swagger, so I imagine. It was, well, it was. <laughs> what? It was really simple. He surprised me, I didn't know it was happening, um, because he actually like downplayed it quite a bit. And no. I, I was, well, and we were talking about this. I was telling him how anxious I was about engagement. I was telling him how anxious I was about planning a wedding and we were talking about timeline and dates and nothing was really working out, nothing was happening. And then finally, I just kind of turned to him and I said, we had we had gone on a, on a hike and we were at the peak and we were overlooking the city and it was beautiful. And we were just kind of decompressing after a really critical conversation. And I just turned to him and I said, you know what? I think we should just rip the Band-Aid get engaged and you know tell everyone and just move forward from there and let whatever comes comes and like let the planning kind of flow from there and I so I said whenever you're ready just let me know and let's get engaged and he says so you think you're you want to get engaged I was like yeah I think it's time and he says great and he pulls out the ring oh shut the (laughs)
0: You had it like then with you in the he moment? Had it. Did yeah. you like carry it around with you just that day? Or well, like- yeah, because I what
2: context for this, the night before we had really talked about this stuff. Uh-huh. And um, you know, I had ordered just a little band that um I was going to do. And, you know, I we did design a ring, I did get it made, but it was a process, right? Mm-hmm. And so Um, I had decided, I talked to Stephanie about this and said, you know, how would you feel if I just got a little wedding band and proposed to you that she was like, love it. That'll be great. So I had had it and I wasn't carrying it with me, but the night before we'd had this conversation, we said, you know, we've got to figure out some dates. Let's think about it. Let's pray about it. And we'll go on a hike tomorrow and talk about it. And I went to go meet with her the next day and I said, you know what? What the heck? I'll bring it with me if it's not the right time. It's not the right time. I won't propose. But if it is, dang, wouldn't it be great to have the ring with me? So mm-hmm. it was kind of like I have nothing to lose. So um, she either doesn't know about it or we walk away with the ring on our finger. So um, that's really what it was. It was like, you know, we're, we're about at that stage and might as well keep it with me.
0: You know, I think that's called good Boy Scout preparedness. (laughs) And I feel like when she opens the window of opportunity and you're like,
1: let's lock that down.
2: Right, right. I
1: love it. And I'll say, as soon as that ring, as soon as you put that ring on my finger, I just felt this rush of relief and this rush of peace that everything was gonna be okay. All of those anxieties and pressures and expectations that I had kind of trumped up um, regarding our engagement melted away and I could just be present and just be thrilled for myself (laughs) about getting to this point. Mm -hmm. And I... Yeah. What was the engagement phase like for you, like in reality? It was wonderful. Yay. I had a great engagement and...
2: There were still points that were difficult. Yes. Yes. but,
1: But that would have been the same regardless and you know... We It was a really important time for both of us to um, prepare, obviously. And we, you know, we delegated the wedding planning mostly to other people. Um, I knew that I needed to not take that on um, for myself and for my own sanity. And so I, we delegated that to other people who are more than happy to take that on for us, which was something that, you know, I, I think I, I knew in my brain, but I didn't really know. Um, but it, it was, and it was really hard for me to let go of some of that control. But ultimately it freed up the space for Sam and I to focus on preparing for our marriage and not necessarily preparing for a wedding day, um, but preparing preparing for our marriage. And it was beautiful. I'm going to
0: clap for him, and I'm just going to clap. <laughs>
1: <Sorry>. <laughs> I love that. I think
2: it's the thing where... Um, You know, Stephanie had voiced that for her, she did not feel that she was worthy of a celebration. She was not worthy of the gift of love. And, you know, just I did mention about five minutes ago that my mother would have killed me. I want to just give her some grace. I love my mom. Mom, you're probably listening to this. Um, She wouldn't have killed me. But also, to be honest with you, you know, Stephanie's mom and sisters did our wedding. We had a small, intimate wedding after our sealing we had a ring ceremony. We had a meal. Man kicked that thing out of the park. It was incredible. And,
1: and it was tiny.
2: It was tiny. It was intimate, close friends and family. Incredible night. Incredible experience. So Just about a month ago, my mom took on the kind of post-wedding uh, reception that we had pushed off due to COVID and, and, and things like that. And she was in charge of the reception. And holy Hannah, did she knock it out of the park. She threw an incredible party. And so, you know, to my mother-in-law and to my own mother, those gifts of, you know, an exceptional event from both of them, it was an immense outpouring of love and something we both walked away from saying, I can't believe we almost didn't do this because we were so in our way. Uh, My mother-in-law, awesome party. My own mother awesome party so they gave us that as a gift and as a sign of their love and i'm grateful that we got to a point where we could receive it because i can't imagine our wedding day our union without that party and i can't imagine celebrating you know three months of marriage with everybody without the reception my mom threw Mm -hmm. it was incredible
1: it really was amazing and it was a very healing time for me to be the recipient of those gifts and it was everybody i was involved with like even to the tiny little comments on my cute little instagram post of like we are so thrilled for you we knew he was out there and and i think that was something that i articulated to my friends and family was that i didn't believe that he was out there i didn't believe that he existed but every everyone in my life that knew me they knew that he was out there and they knew that I would find him. It was a very healing and emotional experience for me to, to recognize that and honor that.
0: Okay. So we're coming up on the year of when you met, <laughs> right, <yes. laughs> and you've been married for four months, uh-huh. five months. Yeah. Yeah. Coming on, five, coming on five, five and, and a half. So no, share half. Share your your early days of flooded bliss wisdom. What's it like?
2: Yes, it is bliss. But when you have been single, when you have been self-sufficient, when you have had your own groove for a long time, it is a learning curve to learn to align yourself with another person and to, to try to integrate your lives mm-hmm. together.
1: I'll say from... My perspective, I, I think I forgot that, you know, marriage wasn't going to magically solve my problems, and all of my anxiety. For example, my anxiety around being single and my anxiety around, you know, finding my person, um, that just didn't disappear as soon as Sam and I were married. I have been carrying a lot of that with me into our marriage. And, you know, these are things that I need to continue to ongoingly change and ongoingly heal. And, you know, Sam, bless his heart, gets to be a part of that.
2: Oh, of course. And you know, the thing is for me, (laughs) I think about it this way. We have loved it. It's wonderful. And when we are facing these things that we learn how to navigate together, there's no one I'd rather do it with. And mm-hmm. and I picked you because I saw you as a partner, as an equal, as someone that had the skills, had the goals, had, you know, the temperament that I knew we could support each other as we traversed life. And so there's... There's not anyone else that I would face this progression and growth with. And so, um, yeah, it is blissful. To be honest, though, um, the first few weeks of our marriage, I I was a bit of a stress case. And I'll I'll say this, like, sex was hard for me. And part of that comes from, I think, some trauma from some... uh, very negative sexual experiences in past relationships and i had a lot to work through and stephanie was patient and kind and that's kind of the big elephant in the room about you know young single people who have been you know celibate or at least strive for celibacy for most of their life um but that was something that you know i had again a trusted person who we had an open dialogue about it we were patient with each other You know, merging finances, merging sleep schedules of all things, Mm -hmm. like merging hobbies. Um, And we just have a running dialogue about all things. And look, we have a lot of fun. Don't get me wrong. We have a lot of fun. We take things light. We tease each other. We do things together that we love. But intermixed with all of that, we're constantly checking in with each other. We're constantly trying to grow and adjust and advocate for each other for ourselves even on our way to uh, your office Lonnie. we had a conversation where i kind of called out stephanie for what i thought was you know an unfair portrayal of her behavior in past relationships and so um i love it i think it's wonderful
1: We've been incredibly blessed and we've had some, we've had so much fun. And I've been impressed by how the compassion and kindness that you offer me has really benefited my ability to, you know, reciprocate that. And we need to constantly be working um, and striving for you know, our individual growth. And one thing that's been really helpful in our marriage um, is as we've like come up with conflicts and as things have come up, um, we kind of have to look at each other and be like, hey, this is a me thing. And it's not, a, it's not a you thing. It's not a reflection on you. It's not you not doing enough. It's not you not, you know, being enough. You know, this is, this is something that I need to hold and something that I need to... You know take advantage of and, and take care of on my own but you're my partner you need to know that this is what i'm working on and this is what i'm doing instead of you know you know seeing each other fail and putting that burden on ourselves and so and you know so that's just like one example of one tiny lesson that we've learned as we've continued
2: it's interesting looking at someone and saying all i need from you is for you to trust me to handle this yeah it is it's hard yeah um but it's also very positive Mm -hmm. and you know it has improved the way we solve problems and we negotiate and navigate things because you know when i look at something and i'm freaking out stephanie wants to help and wants to fix and i can look at her and say all I need is for you to trust me that I can handle this and I can't. This is a me thing. And I will need your support and help, but right now, you know, what you're doing as my partner is more than enough. I know that you're here. So, in order for me to better trust myself, I need you to trust me too.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think that's the the most beautiful thing about being in a marriage is having that person that you can trust in a hundred percent. And so I guess this leans into my thing that I want singles to take away. It, you need to build that trust and build that confidence um, in yourself before you can expect that from other people. And that was something that I needed to recognize. You know, I had a really hard time, articulating what I needed, articulating what I wanted in past relationships, um, because I wanted to be needless. I wanted to be wantless. I wanted to be exactly who they needed me to be. And I would come up with this idea of what they needed me to be. and I would try to project that person to you know be that for them. Um, but you know, they didn't attach surprise because i didn't let them i didn't give them an opportunity to actually like see who i actually was and so i would say take time to date yourself identify the parts of yourself that you really love and that you really want to cultivate and then find that person who's going to cultivate that with you i found that person in sam you know, I found somebody that saw the aspects of myself, saw the parts of myself that I loved and that I wanted to grow and I wanted to flourish. And he was like, yeah, I want those parts of you to flourish too. And when I do forget about those parts and when I, you know, get in my head about who I am and what I want and, you know, you know I try to start controlling and I try to, I start, Leaning into myself a little bit, he calls me out on it, and he says, "No, no, we're cultivating the parts of you that are really great. Like we're cultivating the parts of you that we both love." And that's been that's been like the biggest blessing of being married, and that's been the biggest blessing of finding Sam. Um, is you know I've got a companion and I've got a champion in helping me, you know, become my best self, become my best self. So Thank you. Sam, what would you say
2: to all the singles out there? uh, (laughs) uh, Stephanie's talked about probably the confidence I exuded early on um, as something that was attractive. You know, I did see Stephanie as someone who was confident, but someone who was a little scared and embarrassed to share who she was. And, you know, I was intentional in kind of inquiring and trying to pull those things out so I could get to know her better. And also, you know, the vulnerability on my end to say, Hey, I trust you. I, you know, you can trust me back. I just want to say very clearly that is something new and that's something I had to work hard to develop, but has even been new to me. And so, you know, just as has been said, you need to get to know yourself in order to really find someone that you are compatible with, that you can build, you know, a productive, interdependent and, and really positive relationship with. It is a partnership. There is equality of respect and understanding and love that has to exist. And for any of us to be able to connect on that level with someone, we have to know who we are and we have to understand who we are. And so don't be so desperate to check the box. And if you do find yourself needing to have someone, it took me a long time to learn that that was a reflection on the personal work I needed because I was, for much of my life, felt I needed someone. And after that, I, during a long period of singledom, I really learned to love being by myself, being with myself, And frankly, it's something that we've had to navigate because it's new to have another person in my life all the time and sometimes I'm like, I just need some space. (laughs) 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 But but that is important because that will allow you to connect with another person in an authentic way and you will find who is a good fit because they will see that and they can match that in themselves with you. the other thing I would say is just be humble, be patient. Uh, don't take yourself too seriously. Seriously. Laugh at yourself because we're all a bunch of weirdos.
1: Online dating is really weird.
2: It's really weird. It's weird. But but you got to, you know, getting to know yourself allows you to love yourself. And confidence comes from, I think, self-affirmation, from self-knowledge. It, I think it's the sort of thing where that kind of increases that, that modifies the gravity you have to the type of people you want to be around and you want to have in your life. And so the best advice I got in terms of dating was from one of my therapists who said, you're not going to marry just about 99% of the people you go on dates with. So go into that first date. You're with the clear understanding. You're probably not going to marry them. So just get to know them and just have fun. And That allowed me to have a lot of wonderful dates with women who I never saw again. And that also allowed me to connect with Stephanie on a level that said, wow, actually, there's something real here. And there's something I want to explore and connect with. Uh, That's a lot of jumbled advice, but just, Mm -hmm. it, it will come, it will come. If you are just living a life of consistent, positive progression, you will find another person who is doing the same. And you will strengthen each other. You will love each other. And you'll really be amazed at at what you can build. And it won't come the way you probably think it will. So Mm -hmm. just be open to that.
1: And don't miss out on your life in the meantime. Like your life is happening right now. Like, regardless of where you're at, and you and don't miss out on the beautiful joyful events and aspects of your life right now because that was something that I missed out on a lot and I had to mourn a lot of years that I spent really wrapped up in me trying to control my my marital status <laughs> me trying to <laughs>
2: I will say this within on our on our interview. Stephanie used the term "my marital status" at least ten times in referring to
1: Again, herself. I was not on top of my game. <laughs> That's when probably I first why it was Sam. the best thing, Because
0: yeah. he was like, oh, "Okay, I see." What
2: right, but I, to Stephanie's point, I'll just say this: one of you know the wisest people, uh, Uncle Iroh from Avatar: The Last Airbender. <laughs> he has a quote. Uh, Uh, you know, in response to his nephew being a grumpy uh, adolescent. And he says, you know, life happens wherever you are, whether you make it or not. And so just like Stephanie said, make your life while you're single. You will be a much more interesting person for someone to get to know if you have an independent life. So live it. Like, When you get married things get more expensive and you have you know a lot of things to juggle so like when you're with yourself yeah Mm -hmm.
0: just live your life yep you don't have to look for those two for one nights
2: (laughs) (laughs) seriously
0: sometimes i think and i'll just say this maybe because we're going into the summer of 2022 this could be your last single summer Mm -hmm. have fun not so much fun that it never leaves you but
2: hot girl summer right
0: Right now. <laughs> just saying, like, if you haven't had a summer love, try them on. Like, mm-hmm. I, I just feel like being single is a, is a space in your life that you can love and you can cultivate a lot of growth. And if you don't learn to love it, you probably will stay single longer. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the bottom line because you won't have the self-esteem to recognize what you have to offer. And so you're kind of putting that out there. It's like you're walking into the room with the megaphone of everyone saying like, I can hear you. I can hear you that you don't think you have anything to offer versus when you know you have something to offer and you walk into a room and everyone's like, she she knows it and I know it and she has something to offer and he has something to offer. So um, in conclusion, I have genuinely enjoyed listening to the two of you speak and having known you, Stephanie, for a little bit, it's so cause I did not meet Sam prior to this. I was like, I want to like sit down and ask a million questions, but I'm just going to get it all recorded. Like he's a delight. Right. And I seriously feel like he's the male version of you. <laughs> yes. like so tripping me out. <laughs> cause like, I really felt like I'm like, she's going to get married. She's going to get married. And then like, whenever I like meet the partner, I'm like, yeah, there they are. <laughs> <laughs> the best compliments of each other, but then also that whole what is best for me aspect. You know, what brings out the best of me and what brings out that challenge that I need to grow. And then I think vice versa too, like I need to get to know you better sound, but it's just been a delight. And uh, we might have to do a follow-up on, you know, six months married or <laughs> or maybe we we'll go to. a couple of years out. <laughs> just
2: kidding. I mean, obviously we aren't afraid to talk, so. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we've, gotten,
0: we've gotten
1: very vulnerable.
0: Thanks for being here. We'll see you next time. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Dating Counselor podcast. If you have a friend who would enjoy this episode, I would love if you would pass it along. And don't forget to follow or subscribe to this podcast so that you don't miss any upcoming episodes. As the Dating Counselor, I am on a mission to help people stop dating poorly, and create lasting and loving relationships. You can learn more about that at my website, thedatingcounselor.com, and you can learn more about my methods through taking one of my courses, which you'll find at thedatingcounselor.com slash courses. You can find me on Instagram, TikTok, or Facebook as The Dating Counselor. In case you missed it, I would highly recommend the episode on relationship anxiety. So, that is what's coming up next. I'm Lonnie Harmon, and a huge thank you for tuning in. See you soon. This podcast and the social media associated with it represents the opinions of Lonnie K. Harmon, LCSW, and her guests to the show. The content here is intended to be psychoeducational and should not be taken as specific mental health advice. The content here is for informational and educational purposes only, and because each person is so unique, please consult your mental health professional for any mental health questions. Views and opinions expressed in the podcast and social media are her own and that of her guests to the show. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments, suggestions, or corrections of errors. Privacy is of is utmost importance to us. All people, places, and scenarios mentioned in the podcast have been changed to protect client confidentiality. This podcast should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever, including but not limited to establishing standard of care in a legal sense or as a basis for expert witness testimony. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on the podcast. In no way does listening, reading, emailing, or interacting on social media with our content establish a therapist-client relationship. If you find any errors in any of the content of this podcast, please send a message to Lonnie at Lonnie at dot counselingcom That's Lonnie L O N I at millcreek-counseling.com.